For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting guy, but for y'all that are, there's Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And for everybody that listens to this podcast, you guys know that we usually record on a weekly basis, uh, but there wasn't an episode of the podcast last week because my dad, Melvin Hardy Jr., passed away unexpectedly uh, at the age of 68 on Saturday, June the 12th. Uh, So I've been making trips back home to southeastern Kentucky with my mom and my sister and going to the funeral home and getting arrangements set up and obituary written and all those sorts of things for the arrangements to be taken care of because we just had his memorial service this past Saturday uh, on June the 19th. So just wanted to take a second and just thank everybody for y'all that knew him. You cross paths with him. You knew he was, he was something else. Anybody got to interact with him or got to know him. So we definitely want to just take a second and thank everybody for all the cards and texts and people that called and stopped by and brought food and brought flowers and everything that everybody's done to help out and, and support the family in any kind of way. We definitely uh, appreciate it very much. Uh, very, very grateful for all that you've done. Um, so just wanted to, to say that. And that's the reason there wasn't an episode last week and back on this week with a, a nice episode that hopefully y'all enjoy with former UK Wildcats, uh, Van House and Anthony White. So thanks again so much, everybody. Everybody that helped behind the scenes, uh, all the Facebook posts and stories and people reminiscing about fun experiences they had with dad, uh, people that help get things together uh, at, at the venue where the memorial service was held. Everybody, just, just thank you again for myself and my family. We really, really, really do appreciate it.
Man, y'all, we are here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky, number one podcast network for professionals. Everybody go subscribe and check that out. We got another fun episode that's going to be right on your way. We got two former UK football cats on here to get us caught up on everything that's going on. We head into fall camp. We got a DB who joined us. He played from 94 to 96. The only player to intercept Peyton Manning in high school and in college. We got Van House. What's we up? Got- What's up, V? What's up, man? Fellow VH. We got the running back, Twinsburg's finest from 96 to 99. We're talking versatile. Catch it out the backfield, run it, tote it, whatever you need. Talking about the one and only Anthony White, man. dot White, what's happening? What's going on? Not too much, man. Shout out to the Heights one time, not Twinsburg, the Heights. <laughs> 216, I do know that. I do know that. Got family. Exactly, 330. See, I'm messing up. See, I'm just striking out. <laughs> I'm just going to quit while I'm ahead. And I just need to, mm, I'm not even going to edit it out. I'm just going to roll my mistakes. I'm going to own it. <laughs> Thinking I'm coming in with it and, and messing it all up. Disrespecting my man from, look, Northeast Ohio. How about that? Is that? Okay. Yeah, you got us there. Now you on point. <laughs> okay. Ooh. All right. So, <laughs> well, man, fellas. Appreciate y'all hopping on. And, and for the listeners that don't know, y'all also host The Locker, a podcast y'all got that you collaborated on yourself. Everybody can listen to that on Tuesdays and Thursdays, wherever you get your podcast. Just looking forward to talking to football, man. Y'all stops on the season. Y'all stops on the summer. What's y'all, what's catching your eye? For fans, it's going to be the quarterback spot. What are y'all looking at, focusing on going into fall camp? Because it's a lot of optimism about this upcoming season. What's what's catching y'all's eye? I'm looking right now. Uh, the big thing for me is the, the quarterback battle. Van and I have went back and forth on who we think is going to be the starter. Uh, you know, the past couple of years, you know, we've come out. Our success has hinged on the arm or the back of the quarterback the quarterback room. Uh, you know, we did had a tremendous job out of Lynn Bowden filling in at the quarterback position. But since then, uh, since uh, Terry Wilson got hurt uh, three years ago, it's kind of been, you know, just subpar quarterback play. The defense has played outstanding as it shows up on the, you know, draft picks. But I'm, I'm kind of looking to see what our quarterback room is going to do this year because I think that's going to tell what direction this team goes. Last year I had, I had us going nine and one. And uh, after our first loss, I, I dropped it down to eight and two because I thought we would, you know, pick up some, th- you know, pick up the slack and, you know, get rolling. And that quarterback position just didn't get going. So that, that's where my, my focus is on this quarterback battle. If they give us any nuggets, any little video clips, uh, anything like that, I'm going to be looking pretty tough to see if I see mechanical or, you know, something that might tell us uh, what's going on in the quarterback room. Well, Obviously, I'm going to go defensive in because the the easy thing is to go with the quarterback since Ant already touched on that. I'm going to go with this one. This is the interesting thing that I want to see. And it's kind of on the same angle as Will Levis and Joey Gatewood with uh, Cohen bringing in this guy. And I think he's going to be the starter. I think Will's going to get those first snaps from start. I don't know if he's going to start the first season, but that's, I think that's what's going to happen. My interesting thing is Jared Casey 
and this Jacques Jones guy from Ole Miss. Are they going to take this transfer and put him right in front of Kerry? No, he hasn't done any uh, spring football. Um, Summerall knows him, obviously, from Ole Miss. Are they just going to supplant um, him with um, – supplant um, Kerry with him? That will be interesting to me because, to me, Kerry has so much upside. And he's an athletic freak. Um, he made some young mistakes last year, but he was a first-year guy. So first-year playing, starting oh, – not starting, playing a lot. So I'm interested to see if who starts at opposite of square. And I'm also interested to see how we use Devontae Robinson, Corker, Asian, and Vito. We got four studs at the safeties in only two positions. You got to get them boys on the field somehow. And are they going to put them at linebacker? Are they going to do some packages with them? It's going to be interesting. That's defensively what I'm interested to see in what happens this fall, this fall camp. And we, we saw a couple of clips of Levis going back to your side, Anthony. Uh, is it, is everybody going to get a, a, a fair shake? Is it already – he's pretty much going to be the guy? Because, I mean, Cohen, Cohen's already got a connection with him. It was, what's what's going to go down really this fall? Well, I'm going I'm to say this, and I don't want to jump this thing off like we in the locker on our show on the, on the uh, weekdays. Uh-huh. But uh, Van just wonder how can the old Miss linebacker come in and jump a guy who's already on the team but then he also says Will Levis is going to be the starter, and we haven't seen him take a snap and live bullets with the blue uniform on. So I, I think I, I, I think they're equally going to get snaps. I think Bo Allen will still get snaps. Mm-hmm. And it might not be – maybe it's 20 for Joe, 20 for Will, 20 for Bo. It may – you know, maybe – or not 20 for Bo, whatever's left over for Bo, maybe 10 or 5, whatever's left over – at the end of the period. But I think you've got to give them an equal amount. And I came up with the idea that I say on Monday and Tuesday, let uh, Will Levis take the first snaps. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, let Bo take the first snaps and let Will take second snaps. And on Friday, maybe, or uh, Joey. And on Friday, maybe let Bo take the first snap. I think you've got to give them an equal amount because if you put all your eggs, I think one thing I, I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about, I think it may divide the locker room if they give Will the first snaps as Van has suggested and it don't work out. I don't know if it's a true divide, but Van can probably tell you about the same. And we've never really had it happen. I Well, we did. When Van senior year. Mm-hmm. No, my, Van might have been gone after he left when they uprooted Billy, uh, Billy Jack Haskins for Tim Couch. And I know Van no. and Billy Jack Haskins were real tight. But Tim Couch was a player, so you can't deny getting him on the field. But I think some people probably were still in the Billy Jack camp because Billy Jack played some rough games, played injured, you know, just a tough, gritty guy, was a leader. And you're putting a little young pup in there. And although, Tim, it worked out, but it's just hard to make that transition without any evidence. And that's kind of where I think he got, has to give him equal snaps. And I think the quarterback battle has to be clearly won. I think you have to make the right decisions, throw the accurate ball, uh, and check and check out the plays and check into the right place. I think if you can check into the right place consistently and identify the right a target, whether you're accurate or not, I think that will give you the head. The accuracy may be the tiebreaker, but I think you have to get us into the right play and get out of bad plays. 
and identify the uh, the best target, I think are going to be the two things. And I think that should be clear cut. And for us to make a quarterback decision, I think it has to be a, a, a unanimous winner. I don't think it can be kind of iffy. If it's iffy, I think it should go to Joey. Right. And you you got me on this one, man. You you really I, you got me with this one. When you said divide the locker room and you brought up Tim and, and, and BJ, the difference is Tim and BJ could divide the locker room, right? Because they had some guys who like Billy Jack and some guys who like Tim. Ain't nobody on this team know who Will Levis is. So <laughs> you, you're really dividing the division between the players and the coach. Right. Because now it's like the players have seen Joey or Bo – but from all the words we have both heard, Joey has clearly played better than Bo. So the players see that too. So now the players are all on Joey's side. Not all of them, but let's say the players on Joe's side. I mean, on Joey's side. Now they're bringing Will. And the players are looking at Stoops like, wait a minute. This guy just went through all spring ball, ball out. You, you getting the transfer. That doesn't sit right with me. Because what? If another transfer comes in and do the same thing, my job is at stake. Because – you just did it once. You're going to do it at that position. You're going to do it in any position. So that division could be between the player and the coach more than players and players, which will be interesting. Damn, yeah, for sure. Now, yeah. how uh, – you talk about Jacquez coming in from Ole Miss, and I guess the, the thinking is that the linebacker position is kind of, kind of, quote, thin compared to the D-line, compared to the secondary. If he hadn't have come in, what would your opinion be of the linebacker group? You know, if he isn't added to the roster, what would you have thought with what they had prior to him coming? I personally think it's like I said, when was that 2019 when we got three guys drafted in the NFL at corner? I'm like, we're going to be fine at corner. You guys might not know them all, mm-hmm. but trust me, we'll be fine. We got Martez Thor. We have Jerry Casey. We got Square, whom is the most important guy. Now, if Square goes down, we're thin okay. because he's the leader. He's the, he's the defensive quarterback. As long as Square is playing the majority of the snaps and he's on the field more, directing the, the team, getting them in and out of calls, getting them in and out of huddle, which is huge, I think we're fine. Uh, I personally then we then we got the, the the kid from Michigan State, the linebacker from Michigan State. So are we thin? I don't think so. Are we inexperienced in the system? Yes. Mm-hmm. But Jamin Davis was inexperienced in the system too. Yeah. So um the way we coach, the way we develop, I have no on the defensive side, I have no issues with our linebacking core. Um, how many linebackers do you want? You want eight? I mean, come on. We are too deep at linebacker right now, and that's all you really need uh, because those linebackers can rotate. And it's kind of like like last year, if if Chris Oates doesn't have his you know physical situation where he's he'll have to deal with that, we still don't even know about Jamin Davis yet. And you know, the y'all guys know the next man up, you know, step up, be ready to take advantage of your opportunity. So it could be the same same thing this would this year, like you just said. We might not know who it is or, or who's waiting in the wings if if their number is called. Exactly. But it's it's kind of like Van said though. I think uh, 
that position is probably like you you did state that right if if you just looking at uh all the positions we are probably thinner uh uh, with our recruiting, I think we've established that even on our second tier of linebackers, they can play in the SEC. It's not a drop off to where your starters get hurt. Now you're playing with again, you're playing with Mac, Mac players or something like that. I think we do have a, I think we do have a caliber of players at that position that second string. We don't have a fall off. But the one thing Van said that kind of I don't want you to gloss over is uh, we have so much talent up front and so much talent on the back end. That in the middle, Sam, as long as you make – if you're athletic enough, as long as you make a good football play, you're going to be pretty safe there because our front, up front is strong and our, our secondary is extremely strong. So you got – you can kind of hide the backers, which is typically the other way around. The backers usually dictate where the team goes. Mm-hmm. But I think we got good enough athletes, especially with Square in there, that we can uh, – that, that if we do have to – you know, put some younger talent in that may be ex- not be experienced, but they are athletic enough. I think we have enough talent around them that that they can still be successful. Right, right. Now, I'm going to flip back to you real quick, Anthony. With, with the new offensive coordinator coming in, <clears throat> you played the position. You're a running back. This running back room is deep. Chris Rodriguez is – is coming off of a solid year. He's the veteran. He's the quote-unquote old head in there. Will he have or will he maybe feel a little extra pressure just because everybody's slate is clean now? You got a new coordinator coming in. Will he feel extra pressure to really turn up? Because, look, they they always looking for who's next. And you got some young guys who – have some ability. Is that put that put a little extra pressure on him because you're not just a veteran because you everybody's kind of at ground zero with a lot to prove. Being a veteran, if you were in his position, would would that put extra pressure upon you? No, I've been in that. I've been in that position. I think uh, that Chris is going to be the one. I think providing the pressure. I mean, his athleticism, his strength, his experiences there are going to be the things that the coaches are going to know. He's going to, as Van stated. When we start uh, summer practice or preseason practice, he's going to be the one lined up in the backfield. He's going to be the one picking up blitzes. He's going to be the one, you know, toting the ball on first down. So if he picks up five, six, so it's on him. And, and he has all the tools to do the things. I don't think he has to worry about one of these younger guys or uh, Cavassier Smoke jumping over him because he's going to be the first one out there. He has all the tools to do it. Uh, I think, and I, and I think this year he's going to see the minimum 20 touches a game. If he doesn't see 20 touches a game, our office coordinator is failing us. I'm thinking 25 should be where he's at on a good game. Uh, if we get down, it may be low 20s because uh, we, we might have to go down the field a little bit. But, no, I, I don't think Chris should feel any pressure. The only pressure he should feel is showing the coaches what he can do. But he's going to be the first guy, so the only person to get him leapfrog in the, in the lineup in the depth chart is himself. So, no, I don't think it's be any pressure. I think he should be eager, though, to prove to the offensive coordinator that, look, you need to get me the ball 25, maybe 30 times a game, and I'm going to show you why. Well, I'm going to say this. There are going to be a couple games he's going to get under 20. He's going to get under 20 because we're blowing somebody out, and we're going to sit him out to rest him up for the next week. That's what I'm putting out there. There's going to be a couple games where we're going to be so far ahead that they're going to sit him down and give Juton and, and – 
and some of them other boys, they some run. Tisdale, some run. That's what I'm saying. That's the scenario right there. That's the scenario. Oh, I'm just bouncing around. I'll come back to you again, Anthony. But Van, um, your thoughts, because this is this is your position, this is your your wheelhouse. Your thoughts on the Chris Collins hire. Because you know, uh Clint goes to Michigan. You have to get a new you know, DB's coach. Your thoughts on Chris Collins coming in? What do you think? It's 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 hard to gauge because I'm not there. But there's two, there's a few things that the history proves that we're in and we're in good shape. Um, everybody was up in arms when Derek Ansley went to Alabama. Like, oh my God, we just lost a great recruiter. Well, what are we gonna do? Well, we got clean scale. Mm-hmm. So I think the same thing is gonna happen here. I think Coach Stoops has his Rolodex of, of referrals is immense at that position. So I would never second guess. Look, look at all the defensive hires he came up. Brad White, Sumrall, our, big, our boy, Big Stu. He has done nothing but hire great coaches defensively. So from the things I've seen and heard, his recruiting when he was at Georgia State, the way his players played, um, I think he had a freshman last year that had came in as a safety and had like four or five picks his freshman year. So he's doing something right. Um, he's coming into a situation like clean scale came with a lot of talent. It's easy coaching talent. Oh no, let me sit. It's easier coaching talent than to get a bunch of guys who you got to try and figure out a way to get the most out of when they're not as talented. So I think he's fine. He's proven to be a, a great teacher. Um, I've heard some, some of the recruits say great things about him. So um, I feel good about the hire, no doubt. Now, he's a, he's a young guy coming from Georgia State. How do you, how do you balance trying to, to, to get in and impress everybody and prove that I can coach in the SEC as well as you, you've already got talent and not just disrupt the flow and the head coach is a defensive guy anyway, and, and coaches the DBs. How do you how you walk that kind of tightrope coming in? To, to me, you have to be yourself. Um, I'm sure that was talked about in the interview process. Um, I think I think for him, with uh, with a great coach, a great defensive backs mind with Coach Stoops, that he has someone to lean on. He has someone who can ask questions to what he's got right now in that film room, in that DB room that he really doesn't know. Uh, it seems like he's created some good at relationships. That's all that matters. Anthony would tell you if a coach comes and creates a relationship with you, that that is everything. Because we're at a level now where uh, the amount of coaching for a veteran is minimal. It's making sure I'm doing the right thing, making sure I'm doing the right reads, but he ain't going to come here and teach you how to backpedal. He's not going to come here and teach you how to form tackle. If you can't do those things now, either the guy before you was a horrible coach or your high school coach was horrible. So his thing is to teach you the defense, make sure you do the things and the checks that are required for our defense to be successful, and, and he's going to be fine because there's a lot of talent. As I said, we have freaking four safeties, and that's not counting Mo Douglas and Joel Williams from, from Baton Rouge. They got six really quality safeties back there. The safety position is fine. And I think the corner position is fine with Quadre Mosey coming there, and I think he's going to be a starter on day one, wow. on game one. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, I think Ben, I think Ben hit the nail on the head, man. You got to come in and be yourself. There's little things like uh, coming to the locker room and knowing your person, know who these guys are. Uh, I've been in certain places with people. Hey, man, hey, I know what you hey, I've seen you catch the ball. You let these guys know I watch film on you. Hey, I'm going to get you. We're going to get you to the next level. Uh, you what you can't do is come in there and saying, hey, look here, suckers. Hey, <laughs> everybody's going to toe the line. It's going to be his new sheriff in town. Yeah. We're going to do things differently now. No, I, like Ben said, come in, be yourself, be personal to the – let them players be themselves and adapt as much as you can. Now, and I'm not saying this wasn't the thing when me and Van were playing. Coaches told you what to do. If you didn't do it, you wasn't on the field because they jobs right. online. Now with social media, the transfer portal and all this other stuff, you kind of got to come in and appeal to these guys, uh, these younger crowd. And that's when you said he was younger. That's kind of on his side, man, you know, knowing all the new music, uh, you know, but it's, I think the biggest thing you come in and do is, is do a little research on the players. Let them know you know who they are. You respect who they are. You're just trying to help them get to the next level rather than I've been at Georgia State and I, 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 I know how to do this. I know how to do this. You guys are going to listen to me, which I don't think he's going to do. And like I said, that's Stoops' position. So I think Stoops has still has a huge hand on that and, and a lot of leverage in that in that room as well. So. I think he'll help make that transition. But with the, with the with the recruiting background that he has and his youth, him being a little bit younger than most of the coaches, I think his eager to prove himself, I think are the biggest things. I don't think you have to worry about him making a transition uh, with the players or into the, uh, on the staff. It might seem a little weird to us, but Cohen coming in and none of the QBs have ever taken a snap on the center. How are you – does that concern you if you're running back, or do you think everybody's just gonna pick that up quickly? Because it's not, it's just not even natural to kids coming out of high school now. You think that's just gonna be something they learn and just pick up? No, I think it's something uh when I coach, I coach shotgun least because I it's less steps and there's less demand, I think, on the shotgun. So I usually coach everything under center and the shotgun, but I do everything under center most just to make them get used to it. And I know these guys in college probably haven't done that, but I think that's something they've got to get used to. The same way uh, in 95 and 96, I was running the speed option underneath the center with Billy Jack Haskins. And uh, 97, you know, I turned into a pass receiving back running out of the shotgun 90% of the time. So I think that these quarterbacks will have to adapt to it. I mean, it helps with the ball control, ball handling. And the things that the offense is going to try to do with uh, play action, you being under the center is going to make it, I think, a whole lot more easier for him. Uh, Van probably can uh, attest to from the quarterback position, but I think going under center may be a little bit transition, but the quicker you get that down is going to make it easier for you to, you know, get your ball handling and be prepared to get the ball out of your hand on, on play action. So I think there will be a little developmental stage and a little transitional stage, but uh, as I think it's for, for the benefit, as for, as for a running back, uh, I think it's better for me than going out of the shotgun. I would I would say this. There's, it's not as bad as people think. The worst part about the quarterbacks now, I'm, I'm thinking, is they're going to go in a huddle. You're going to have to call these plays out. That is going to be different for those guys who just look to the sideline and they're holding up boards and guys getting signals, and you just go from there. Being able to memorize those plays, which is going to be a string of, of verbiage, and one little miscue in that verbiage can screw up the whole play. Mm. That's one thing. 
The other thing is coming out of center, when you hand the ball off or fake hand the ball or whatever, your back is to the defense. Your back is to the defense. So whatever the defense comes in, you, you look at it when you get on the center. Then when you turn your back, they can change it. Now, who's able to process that, that adjustment of the defense the fastest? Those are the two things that, that concern me because all snaps on the center is about getting reps. And you're in college, you're in the summer, you can get reps with a center. Just call your center. Or, hey, man, let's take 100 snaps. Yeah. Let's do 10 sets of 10 and, and then until I'm comfortable. And trust me, the center wants to be comfortable too because if your hand's not right and he snaps that ball in his junk, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> so um, I don't think it's as as – Taking the ball in the center isn't as bad. I think there's other things that go with it that can be um, potential problems with these quarterbacks getting in the huddle and turning their back to the defense because all their life they've been facing the defense the whole time. Mm-hmm. You talk about, Anthony, how you had to switch to becoming a pass-catching running back uh, out of the backfield. These guys haven't done a lot of that. And it looks like they're going to be asked to do a lot of that. So how was that transition for you? Uh, is it all about reps like Van just talked about? And how do you see you know, the guys on the roster transitioning in that this year and in this new offense? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely all about reps. I mean, the jugs machine, like you said, the quarterback is taking snaps. If you're the running back, man, you and that's perfect. You get the quarterback, center, running back. You know, play action, quarterback, get his eyes down, drop it off to the back in the flats. But there's so many nowadays, there's so many things. You got the jugs machine, tennis ball machine. Uh, you can just play catch with other running backs and quarterbacks. You could also play catch with people who really can't throw the ball because you can get the ball coming in different angles and with different velocities and things like that. So uh, I, I think it's big on reps, but I don't, I think Chris Rodriguez has pretty soft hands, smoke shows. Uh, they line him up in the slot a few times, a receiver. He uh, has pretty good hands. Uh, Tisdale uh, seems to have pretty good hands, and uh, the freshman, the running back, who caught the uh, right the long. What you say? Talking about right? Yeah, yeah, Lavelle Wright. Uh, he can. I mean, he has good hands. So I, I think the the running back's ability to catch is going to be pertinent in this offense on play action when things aren't open down the field. It's going to be underneath the same things I made the living off of. But I do think for them to be successful at it or be more comfortable at it, when you catching what I was catching, 10 and, 10 and 12 balls a game or getting 10 and 12 targets a game, you are expected to catch about 10 of them boys. It ain't like uh, you throw it to the back and it's off his hands. No, like it's, it's going to be when we come to you on third and four and we play action and hit you on three yards, you got to catch that thing and get up the, the field a yard. So uh, I think it's going to be repetition, either with quarterbacks, jugs, machine, just catch as many footballs as you can. So your, uh, your hands can get used to absorbing the ball and, and getting it into a protected state really quick. It's something, but it's something you have to work on. I don't think it's something you just do during practice. You're going to have to do it outside of practice a lot more, just get acclimated and get your hands softer receiving the ball. Mm-hmm. Speaking of receiving, I'm going to go over to you, Van, first. And, you know, you, you covered many different receivers. The receiver position here – maybe of all the position groups seems to have been the one that's still sketchy, hasn't really had a lot of production, had a lot of turnover at that position coach due to production of various different things. Boo Knight right now is on thin ice for off the field stuff. So 
when you look at that whole group, what what do we what do you see? What do you expect? What what's it gonna take to get it to click like other facets of the team has clicked? Because we've we've seen the progress since Duke has been here. And what what's it gonna take to to jumpstart this receiving core? It was it quarterback related? Was it receiver related? What's the vicious cycle? Just how can you pinpoint it? What what is it? To me, this receiving core is reminds me of my my Lakers. <laughs> in the Sorry. bubble last Sorry. year <laughs> in the bubble last year i mean your, your rockets ain't doing too hot oh, either but man. but but i i digress but um number two pick we coming back <laughs> <laughs> um when rondo came back to the lakers in the bubble we made that run because he put everybody in their right role in our right positions that that they can the, can have the most success in I think that's what Wandell does for his receiving core. Mm. He puts Josh Ali as the second receiver, and he puts uh, Epps back in a role that he can best uh, be successful in is just going deep. So now we got uh, three-level attack now with, with Epps going deep, Wandell working that, that slot, and hopefully Josh Ali working that intermediate route. Now, the great thing about this group, is I guess the bad and good thing is we have a lot of unknowns, but we have a lot of talent. You have Donut from last year, who's supposed to be one of the top guys out, out of out of Ohio. Yeah. You got Tay Tay, who was supposed to be a great guy coming from Louisville, and we got these guys coming in this year with with Magwood and um and Ants uh, one of Ants Diamond in the Rough Ross, and we got Christian Lewis. So one of those guys we got I just named what that's six seven. Eight guys, if you can't get three or four out of there, that's a problem. And I think we have a lot of, I guess, unknown depth, but we have a lot of talented depth. And it's up to your boy, Bo Knight, <laughs> on thin ice. Uh-huh. He better um, uh, re- refrigerate some of the ice and make that um, that, that, that ice thicker so uh-huh. he has a solid ground. And what he can do with, with that is, is – develop some of these young guys and get one or two of those guys to, to come and help out Ali, Epps, and Wandale, and we'll be fine. I, I'm not as worried about it as some people because we got a new offense who I, I think will scheme these guys open more. What about you, Anthony? And I don't even, we didn't even mention DeKale. We didn't mention Crowder's in there, too. That's one other yeah, yeah. that can, can be maybe jump in the mix. What do you think about it, Anthony, as far as jump-starting this receiving core? And getting some production. Uh, I'm I'm right on line. I'm right on line with Van, man. And like you said, man, I, I think uh I think Bo Knight, Bo Knight need to worry about a little bit more coaching than running them streets. But uh you know, one thing that it, it's been back and forth, and I know a lot of former players didn't know for the past couple of years, do we blame the quarterbacks for not getting the ball to the receivers? Or do we blame the receivers for not getting enough separation for the quarterback to want to throw on the ball? That's mm-hmm. been a question with the new offense and the play action. And the, I think the emergence of Chris Rodriguez, I think there's going to be a lot more clear open pass if the receivers want to routes. And the other thing Van kind of alluded to that I think is going to be huge and it's going to be on bow night. It's going to be on bow night. We got some young talent coming in. We got Trayvon Morgan coming in from Michigan state, big, tall, 
receiver. We got my boy Ross coming in. We got local boy Crowders coming in. Magwood's already over there catching balls. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about if you don't have if I think it before and you saw how the transfer portal started off early, early this, this spring, you saw the transfer portal was that hey, a lot of these guys got the hell up out of here, and they not even picked up by power five. None of them get picked up by power fives. Right. So why are you doing playing in the best conference in America? And, and and one of my boys, Bryce Oliver, I, th- I think Bryce Oliver could have played here. And what he maybe he wasn't patient. Maybe the writing was on the wall and coach told him. And maybe he wasn't doing the things off the field to prepare himself to, to be successful on Saturday. But we lost a lot of people, and we brought a lot of young talent. We got big receivers, route runner receivers, fast receivers, uh, I mean, strong receivers. We got all different types. So, like Van said, if Rob, I think Robinson's going to be steady. I don't think we got to worry about him. But if Epps and Ali can't get the job done because they've been here for several years hmm. and we kind of know what to expect out of them, and if they don't show us anything different, we got some young talent that might tell them, as Coach Stu would say, hey, come over and watch the game with me. <laughs> so that's 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 one luxury we have at the, in the receiver room this year. And that's what I was kind of asking you about with the running back. Would, would C-Rod feel that kind of pressure? with all these young backs coming up, but instead of being the running back room, it, it would be the receiver room where you got these veterans that haven't shown anything that could be pushed on to the side. So that, that could be where it could happen. Then. And that was the operative phrase you used there that hasn't shown anything. Rodriguez has shown stuff, right? You know, right. he just happened to be, uh, you know, he was back in the backfield with uh, AJ Rose, which is good back. You know, he's got an opportunity to play on Sundays and things. Mm-hmm. I just think Chris Rodriguez, his size, you know, he started off with a little bit of fumbleitis, but I think he realized the importance of um, maintaining and possessing the football is, and he's, he, has, he has a lot of huge upsides. And the same way we saw Benny Snell and Boone Williams share the backfield, we knew – I didn't know Benny was going to excel at the rate he excelled at, but I'm, I'm, that's what I'm expecting out of Chris Rodriguez. I don't think there's much pressure because he hasn't done anything to show us that he can't do the job. He was just locked in a stable a room with a stable full of running backs mm-hmm. that were capable of doing great things with the ball in his hands. Now I think he's proved that, hey, I can move the chains. We don't need to alternate backs too much. But if we do, I think we have a, you know, a good amount of backs in there that could also do the job if, if our Regas has to come out of the game. Yeah. C-Rod has produced. No one in that wide receiver room has produced. <laughs> That's – that's why C-Rod feels – I'm not – he doesn't feel comfortable, but he knows, and we all know he can do it. We have no idea what Ali and Epps can do. We have an idea what Wandell, although Nebraska used him more as a freaking running back than mm-hmm. they use him as a slot receiver. But we have an idea of what Wandell can do. We don't – I mean, what Josh Ali – we got a glimpse, I guess, a little bit, and Epps in the bowl game, we got a little bit, but we really don't know. Mm-hmm. T-Rod has proven two years what he can do. And um, he he deserves that number one route, that number one spot, and to be comfortable in that number one spot. When y'all look at the rest of the SEC, the lay of the land throughout the league, what, what stands out to you? Who you think has what? Who you think is going to do what? Just kind of observing from afar with the other squads. I don't think I don't think anybody really jumps off the board, especially in the East. I thought 
I thought we've been better than Florida the past three years. I, no, I, I, I don't take the score off the board. I think we've been better. Yeah, yeah, in five years. <laughs> I, I was saying three for certain. No, yeah, you're actually right. It does go back five years. Last year, you take Kyle Pitts out of the lineup. We could keep Kyle Trask in there. But if you take Kyle Pitts out of the lineup, I think it's, it's a different ball game. You know, we get a little bit more offensive production. Uh, Georgia, you never know what the – you know, they always going to excel, but I think our strong suit is going to be stopping the run. And they, they, they're still having quarterback issues over there. They may have found a quarterback that can, you know, take snaps and possibly complete passes and move the chains. We, but uh, we're not worried about them. Tennessee is still doing Tennessee things. Uh we got Missouri. Uh, I think we owe Missouri. I think we owe Missouri. They lost Roundtree, and uh, I, I don't think we called a good game. I put that one on the coaches. I don't think we called a, 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 a good game against Missouri last year, so I'm not really so much concerned about them. So in, in the East, man, I think we are right in line to battle for the SEC East. And who do we have on the schedule from the West this year? Uh, LSU, LSU and Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. LSU and State. I don't know, guy. I ain't talked to Mike Leach yet, man. <laughs> I know, I know he was uh he was purging his uh his lineup last year. And I think he's gonna be a little bit upset the way we did him uh up mm-hmm. here last year. So he's gonna have something to prove, but I don't think he has the manpower right away to do that. LSU, you know, they got a lot of turmoil over there, man. I'm not gonna say 12 and 0. <laughs> but there, there's nobody that really scares me. But I do say I, I would be I would be extremely surprised if we weren't in the battle for the uh, for the East. I don't I don't see where the competition would come from us, from us in the East. Like I said maybe Georgia may overnight get their quarterback problems together. I, I don't I don't see any uh, strong competition coming from the East this year. I I agree with you. Here's. People are sleeping on the job Dan Mullins has done with Florida from the previous, um, the guy who was just fired from South Carolina. South Carolina is a new coach. And let me, let me, let me go back to Florida. Mm-hmm. Emory Jones is that starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Emory Jones has been there a long time. The guy who jumped him in the depth show was a guy who hasn't even started in high school. <laughs> so how how you lose Felipe Franks and then start a guy who hasn't started? And I mean, he did. He was behind some studs. He, he was he was behind Derek King high school. I understand, but he still didn't start a high school game. So he jumps you, and now you've been solely a running quarterback. So do we really trust Emory Jones to be a true dual threat? I'm not sure. I don't see it. Georgia just has talent. They just have so much. They they wake up. Kirby Smart wakes up with five-star guys just want to come there. So that's a problem. But South Carolina, new coach. As Anthony said, we all drink something at, at Missouri. And all the stuff that surrounded that game still pisses me off. They didn't play the week before. They didn't play the week before that. They had two weeks off. They were supposed to play Bama before us. Don't you think? Playing Bama before us would have made a difference in that game. They game plan for us for two freaking weeks. And then we had the whole slur thing. And that was a bad, that was a bad timing for us. We yeah. owe them one. Mm-hmm. Tennessee got a new coach. Yeah. Ain't gonna happen. Uh, so to me, we are 
we are even with Florida this year because I we both have quarterback issues. Both have quarterback issues. They have to replace a receivers in a freaking lifetime, once in a lifetime tight end at Florida. So who's going to be catching the ball? Who's going to be throwing the ball? And I don't trust Grantham as a defensive coordinator. <laughs> so to me, we are about we are two. We're on that that second level with yeah. Florida. Georgia's obviously number one. Then it's us in Florida. Then who cares who comes after us? Yeah. And we are lucky to get LSU when we get in them. They have in turmoil at their quarterback position, just like everyone else. And they got a new defensive coordinator. So I'm not sure. And Mississippi State, Mike Leach ain't ready yet. I mean, he has a great quarterback, but I'm not sure the skill position, the offensive line um, is quite where he needs it to be. Um, he probably still got another two years before he gets where he wanted, wanted to be. Mm-hmm. If we don't win nine games, um, I'm upset. I'm not saying double digits yet, but seven games should be the floor. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Oh, valid points. Tell everybody about the locker. For those who don't know, how did y'all come together with that? And, and what's in the works with, with the podcast y'all got coming up? Oh, uh, man, the lockers are just an idea, man. You know, I always get along with guys. Bands come in town a couple times. And, you know, I get a, I get together with a lot of the former players, alumni, man, and we go out to dinner or something. All we talk about are times, that sideline antics that happen, stuff that happened in the game, stuff that happened during meetings. And people don't get to hear all these stories. And it's funny. Sometimes I tell these stories in front of my uncle or just an outsider, a buddy, and they, and they just crack it up. So I'm like, man. You know why? You know we got a lot of big nation would love to hear these stories. So you know Van, you know contacted me. It was like, hey man, I, I know you got the locker thing going. Hey man, let's get it going. Because I kind of was hesitant. You know, I got Sunday morning. I know it takes a lot of research and pre- preparation to put it, but not so much in the locker because it's really not preparation. The preparation is just talking about the things that we've been through in the locker room. Or now what we do more of is discussing uh, current events sports events and how we would be discussing in the locker room as if it was in the locker room. So it's just kind of not the normal uh, political or, or censored radio uh, talk that you get, which that's good. I do both. I do that on Sunday, but sometimes, you know, you got to dig a little bit more into uh, what we thought the quarterback issues were last year. Do we think it was quarterbacks themselves? Do we think it was offensive coordinator? Do we think it was their preparation? And we, we, I think we come to a conclusion on the locker who we thought the problem was. And nobody in general media is talking about this stuff. But in the locker, you know, we say, hey, we pinpoint the problem. We give you, uh, we feel like valid information and data on why we think this person was the problem. And then, you know, we got a, a huge following. People can chat and, uh, no. and, and voice their opinion online. So, you know, we take that into consideration as well. But it's just a form for guys that have been in the locker room, playing in the locker room, to talk about the stuff that's happening instead of having guys who are watching, analyzing, and may have not played the game who has an opinion. We give an opinion from what we've been through and what we think, and we, and we try to do the, the best job of giving valid data and information on why, how, we, how we derived at those, those, uh, those uh, topics and, and answers. For sure, for sure, and... 
That's right. I should have definitely plugged your uh, Sunday AM Sports Talk. So that is every Sunday in Lexington with you and, and Larry Vault and Curtis Birch. Uh, so, yeah, definitely don't want to leave that one out. And then uh, the locker at the locker 411. Y'all had me on there and, and TV. And I've been honored to be on there and chop it up with y'all. So uh, everybody can go and check that out, too. You got the, you got the chat, like you said. You got the it's on Spotify. You got the is it, is it is it YouTube or is it Periscope? Is it Twitter Live? What is it? Because YouTube, Periscope. Uh, depending on the size of the guest, because it's a little harder to get on it uh, because of the limitations. We're also on uh, Instagram at times, but our our main three platforms for live is uh, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, and uh, YouTube. All right, good stuff. See, I'll definitely be sure to check Ant and Van out right there on the locker twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Oh, got to work in our sponsor too. So anytime y'all need a watch, y'all just need to go and go to La Terrain, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com, LaTorrain.com. They got the bands. They got the different styles. If it's sold out, that means it's hot. So come back to the website again when it's restocked and get it, LaTorrain.com. They've been being doing great things for us here sponsoring the podcast so y'all be sure to go to lotterrain.com and go get you a fire watch get you a swag timepiece on your wrist they'll fix you right up so definitely check them out and check out van and ant on the locker like we mentioned football season is coming y'all gonna have little nuggets from fall camp it's gonna seem like it's gonna take forever when you get to that little period of summer between now and the first of september but be looking to hear y'all's insights on what y'all hear and what y'all see and what y'all feel might happen with different position battles and, and how guys are adjusting and all that. So definitely looking forward to it. Appreciate it, man. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky, man. Thank y'all for hopping on and, and chopping it up. And we'll do it again. Uh, another episode coming in y'all next week. It's been an episode of Believe in Kentucky. Rate, review, subscribe. Check it out. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We'll see y'all next time. This has been Believe in Kentucky presented by Bet Online. Everybody take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.